0: Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Burning Questions, Mississippi's Cannabis Industry Podcast. My name is Melvin Robinson. I am the Director of Communications and Media for the Mississippi Cannabis Trade Association. I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. Um, Thank you all for uh, keeping up with us. Thank you all for liking and subscribing. Thank you all for wanting to be in the know. Uh, The Mississippi Cannabis Trade Association, we really Focus on community, education, and advocacy, and we believe with this podcast that we are hitting all of those benchmarks. And yeah, thank you for everybody that keeps watching. All the support has been wonderful. Um, We have a very, very, very special guest tonight, but before we get into that, I want to make sure we pay a couple of the bills. And the first thing I want to talk about is the Lucky Leaf Expo. Lucky Leaf Expo is coming to Jackson, Mississippi explore more than 100 exhibitors hear from a variety of speakers and found find out about everything being offered in the mississippi cannabis industry and more at the lucky leaf expo you can register now at luckyleafexpo.com and they will be here in jackson mississippi october the 7th and the 8th also of course, shout out to our sponsor, Grow Generation. You can visit them in on Industrial Drive in Jackson, Mississippi. They have been great, and we are proud to have them as a sponsor. Please make sure you visit growgeneration.com. You can check out everything that they have there as well as in their store, the first one in Mississippi and the first one in Jackson. All right, so we're going to go for our, to our guest that we have, and I'm going to bring them up here. Boom. And yeah, there we go. And as always, we allow our guests to introduce themselves on Burning Questions. So
1: please, please let, let the people know who you are. All right. Well, Melvin, thanks for having me here today or this evening. I really appreciate it. I am Cliff Osborn, and I serve as president of a company called Steep Hill, Mississippi, a medical cannabis testing lab. Okay, great.
0: Hey, thank you for coming on today, Cliff. I really appreciate it. Uh, medical testing is going to be one of the more vital components of this industry. I don't think people really realize that, you know, people get caught up in cultivation and processing and dispensaries, but you know, it got to get tested somewhere. That's true.
1: You're right about that. Yeah. So um, tell me how you came up with uh steep hill. All right. Well, um, the name steep hill is a California based company's name. So I'll back up just a little bit. If you don't mind, I, I am an unlikely participant in the medical cannabis space. I am a pharmacist by education. I am the past president of the Mississippi Pharmacist Association. And some people might be surprised that I would be so involved in the medical cannabis industry in Mississippi. But you know I've been involved in in leadership and and service in a number of areas, including our company, where I'm one of 10 investors and service president. When we organized our investors a couple of years ago, we really wanted to uh, be able to bring the best to Mississippi in terms of testing. We had a bunch of people in our investor group who were concerned about patient safety, but we're all a bunch of capitalists and we didn't want to get in the way of the market operating either. So we wanted to find that balance of being able to help everyone protect patients and help industry participants be able to operate their business as well. So we looked around and said, you know, who could help us in this plan? And we looked at several national testing companies. There aren't many. And we came across Steep Hill in California. They were the first testing lab in the country licensed, and one of the few that licensed their name and their testing technology to other companies. And so we operate a Steep Hill, Mississippi. We've licensed the name. Uh, we work with the Steep Hill team. They help us develop our SOPs, our standard operating procedures. They work with our lab director, Dr. Gina Dampier, to come up with ways for us to provide the optimal in testing, so they picked the name Steep Hill. We're Steep Hill, Mississippi, and we're proud to be part of that organization. I okay. want to answer your short question. Oh yeah, oh yeah,
0: oh no, please uh, talk as much as you want. We have plenty of time, and uh, I love it when we get very in-depth in depth and you know answers like that. Um, so yeah, you mentioned a lot of people might be surprised that you know you coming from a pharmacy background. Would be involved in medical cannabis what what your interest in it
1: well you know if you think about what pharmacists are supposed to do now they spend most of their day fighting with insurance companies to get your prescription drug covered but if you think about what they're supposed to do they are supposed to help ensure that people get therapies that help them get better and minimize the risk of side effects that's really the job they do they check the prescription for accuracy and appropriate therapy and adequate dosing for people drug interactions, all those things that happen in the computer when they're at work. The same things I believed should happen in the medical cannabis space. We should do what we can to increase the healing and minimize the risk of side effects. And so I, as well as our our other investors just thought, you know, we could best do that as a testing lab. Um, We could figure out how it is that we could help cultivators and processors make sure that their products were exactly what they wanted help the regulators achieve their goals and help patients receive the assurance that they had the most likelihood of getting better with fewer side effects because no contaminants in the products and things like that. So that's how I came to be here. And look, Melvin, like a lot of people in this industry, I've got a personal story. I had a family member who died of a brain tumor that could not have medical cannabis and her last weeks were hellish. And I don't want to see other people go through that. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that if, someone wants to try medical cannabis and their, their physician certifies them, they should have a right to do that. And they should do that as safely as possible.
0: Oh yeah. Totally understood. Totally understood. And yeah, a lot of people do have stories about that. You know, I have my own, you know, I, I've, you know, cannabis has just been a thing among members of my family. Uh, it's just, Hey, this is a thing that we do. And so it was never like villainized or anything like that for me. So I totally get into this industry with the open mind and, yeah, and, you know, just seeing more people getting involved and wanting to use it, you know, for medicinal purposes and everything like that. It's, it's yeah, I really like that. And I really love that you all are bringing, you know, that reassurance uh, to the Mississippi market. Thank you. Oh, yeah. So um, what's something, because people hear about, you know, they can see a, a cultivation facility. They can see a dispensary When you get into testing, can you kind of like explain that process to people, some of the things you're looking for
1: like that? Sure. Well, let's start with what the state wants us to test for. So we'll be a testing lab, assuming we get our license in a few weeks and we've submitted our application. Uh, There'll be a few other testing labs. We don't know how many there'll be, but there'll be a few, I'm sure. The state is going to have us test for potency of THC. They're gonna have us test for terpenes. Those are the other chemicals in cannabis that give it its characteristic odor. But beyond that, the terpenes are chemicals that make the THC work better in certain ways. They create what we've heard called the entourage effect. They go along with the THC and make it work better for nausea or for pain or for other symptoms. Various terpene compounds have various effects and help the THC in different ways. Now, those are the good things that we're testing for. What are the bad things we're testing for? Well, we're testing for too much moisture because bacteria and fungus love moisture. We live in a hot, humid state. We got plenty of it. So the product has to be dried out really well. We'll test for that. We'll test for bacteria. We'll test for fungus contamination. Beyond that, we'll test for other chemicals. We'll test for pesticides because indoor grow, that's what we have in Mississippi, should not be using pesticides. We'll test for heavy metals. A lot of people don't know the cannabis plant soaks up heavy metals like lead and arsenic and doesn't ever let go of them. And so if they're buying illicit product right now, for all they know, it could have pesticide. It could have heavy metals. We're gonna test for that. Um, And then when it's processed into vape cartridges or gummies or chocolate bars or drops, we're gonna test for residual solvents. The chemicals that extract the THC from the flower and is used to convey it into the final dosage form. And we'll check to make sure that there's not any of that left that might hurt somebody. And look, manufacturers and processors, they do not want to hurt anybody. Yeah, They don't want that, right? That's not how you build successful businesses. So yes. we, we tie up their product for a few days as we're testing it. I think everybody understands that testing is important and it's a good way to make sure that we get this industry off on the right foot in Mississippi. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. yeah
0: think a lot of people, again, it's just one of those things that, you know, you don't really think about until you just say, wait, we have to test it. And, you know, testing might just be, testing is so important that you can't have any financial interest in any other kind of business in the industry here.
1: You're you're right. So none of our investors could invest in a cultivation business or a dispensary business or anything else and still participate in this. The state is very insistent that they separate testing businesses from any conflict of interest with another business.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, one thing we've been pointing out to people and, you know, they say stuff like, oh, it's going to be a madhouse and you're going to... And, you know, just a lot of fear-based stuff. We tell them, no, this is actually a very highly regulated industry. And Mississippi has, you know, gone above and beyond as far as regulations go. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, let's just... I like to compare us to Arkansas. Both states have about 3 million people. We are you know, similar in other ways, demographics, economics, we're similar in many ways. So it's a good comparator. They have a medical cannabis program and the testing regs there are much less restrictive than they are here in Mississippi. Our department of health went uh, and took extra steps and added extra testing requirements that they have not seen in the neighboring state like Arkansas to help ensure the safety of folks. And it will be really odd, you know, five years from now, people that may have been using illicit cannabis in the past and now have been using pure and tested cannabis five years from now will be sitting there one day thinking, I can't believe I was using that product and I never knew what was in it when I bought it from the guy down the road. Now I know what's in it because in most cases, people will be able to scan the label of the product they buy and be able to look and see the test results that we or another lab will provide for that.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's one thing, you know, I've been talking about to people, like the little QR codes, you can bring Mm -hmm. up the terpene profile, you can bring up the TAC content, you can bring up the the entire lab report. It can show you uh, where it was processed, it can show you what day it was processed, all of that. So again, very regulated, uh, highly regulated, very safe and that's one thing that i will say that everyone involved in this industry in mississippi has been focusing on making sure the patients have a very safe product that they can consume yeah i agree
1: i mean i think i know 80 percent of the major cultivators in the state already i've had a chance to meet you know over half over three-fourths and these are folks that you know would be your neighbor or they would be in your sunday school class or There'd they, be someone that, you know, from the PTA, these cultivators are by and large just really good stand up citizens that are here to help people. Now, do they want to make a profit? Yes, we all have bills to pay, but are they willing to cut corners? I just don't see people coming to the industry here that I suspect will do that. I see a lot of good, upstanding, uh, hardworking business owners that don't want to mess things up for themselves or for patients.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Indeed. 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 Have y'all had any issues with like the supply chain demand or anything like that?
1: You've been reading my mail, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we have. To be real honest, it's no fun to talk about. But we had to buy between a million and two million dollars worth of testing equipment to get in this business. And um, some of that has gone off without a hitch. And some of that has been hung up because a a pump on a $400,000 machine, doesn't have a part coming from another country. And so we were waiting on that. So as we sit here today, we ordered our equipment about three months ago. We expected it to be here in 60 days. We have about half of it right now, and the rest of it has committed delivery dates in August. So we still believe we're gonna have time to get ready, get our test methods validated, get our teams trained, work on our ISO accreditation, happy to answer questions about that if you have any, and still be ready for those, uh, those dates that most cultivators are telling us. I would say eight to nine out of 10 tell us they will need product tested in November. I've heard a few earlier dates, heard some recently, but for the most part, we believe we're gonna be ready to test for all of those folks. Now, if people have product ready before that, um, that, that could be a real challenge for us all, but. Uh, we think we're going to be able to accommodate most everybody. And, and
0: ISO, you said ISO standards?
1: Yeah, so the international, international Standards Organization, if you're driving down the road, sometimes you'll see an electronics plant or an automotive plant, and they'll have a big sign that says ISO 9001. Well, for those of us in the uh, laboratory testing business, there's a standard called ISO 17025, And that regulates or accredits how labs can prove their excellence. Mm -hmm. The state of Mississippi wisely said, if you get a license as a lab in Mississippi, you must complete this ISO accreditation within one year, or we're not going to renew your license. You don't get a second shot. You get one shot. And that was good because that lets us go ahead and get started before we have the ISO standard, the ISO accreditation. But we're still operating under their standards so that we can prove we've been doing it from day one.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. That's Again, I'm I'm glad you're here. And, you know, we've had cultivators on. We have people who expect to have dispensaries. We've had everyone on except a testing, you know, someone with a testing facility. So, yeah, I just want to make sure people understand, like, just what's going into this to protect people.
1: Well, you've had all the cool kids on and all the exciting parts of the industry. And now you're having the science nerds on to talk a little bit about the testing part.
0: Well, I mean, hey, the science nerds have a very important part. And again, we thank you for that. Um,
1: How many people are you all looking to employ? It'll depend. So there's a bare bone minimum, right? We've got to have a couple of scientists to get started. Uh, We've hired one lab director. We're working on her support, her number two person, working on that. We hope to have them hired in a few weeks. Uh, And then we'll hire a number of technicians. And the technicians will primarily have two different jobs. Some of them will get in our car, carry a case, carry the paperwork and go to the cultivator and collect the sample of flower or collect a sample of processed product like gummies or vape cartridges or whatever and bring it back. And then some of the technicians will be lab techs that work here to prepare that sample for the scientists to test. And so we kind of have two kind of key roles there. We'll probably have, you know, a dozen employees by the end of first quarter, 23. And maybe by the end of 2023, have 15, 18. But all that depends on the amount of business we get. Oh, we can't predict to that.
0: Oh, yeah. So when, when someone actually goes and extracts a sample, like how much flour are they taking? How, much, uh, how many gummies are they taking? Good,
1: good question. Well, let's do the flour. That's a little easier. I, I can do that better job there. So the state has defined how big a batch of flour is. And for everybody, many of your, many of your viewer listeners know that we're talking about the part of the plant where the THC is produced, not necessarily the leaves or the stems or the roots. That's not really what we're looking at, but for every 10 pounds of flower that a cultivator grows, they have to have one sample taken from that area. It may be part of a growing room. It may be an entire growing room. And then we have to collect 22 grams of that. Now, 30 grams is an ounce. So 22 grams is about three fourths of an ounce, Mm -hmm. a paperclip weighs about a gram. So it's 22 little tiny samples we've got to take in a prescribed method from that 10 pound batch and then transport it back here and test it. Um, and so we'll be sending people in cars to the Gulf coast and to North Mississippi and the Delta, wherever there's a cultivation or processing facility. The state has not yet defined what a batch of processed cannabis looks like to my knowledge. If so, I missed it and my attorney or somebody else will correct me. That's the way it works here. But I, I don't believe they've yet defined that, but in other states, it's been a representative homogenized sample, meaning we take the gummies, we put them in a grinder, we take out a sample, and then we measure that the same way we would measure the flour and test for all those things I talked about earlier in the, in the podcast a few minutes ago okay, great, 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 yeah, like that's what I love just just the
0: actual knowledge and because I didn't know it was twenty grams either. I didn't know it was that much like, I really and you know these standards are different from state to state, so you know serious. yeah, so Steve Hill in California might not have to do twenty or they might have to do even more than twenty than in, in Mississippi,
1: well, and the reality is <clears throat> we can do all the tests that are prescribed with less than twenty two grams, and so a lot of people have said, well, why did the state say twenty two grams well we need a little more than half of that much but i would guess their rationale was hey what if cliff's crew at steep hill mississippi needs to retest something Mm. they'll never be able to go out and collect the same exact sample from the same exact part of different plants so here we have the sample in the bag and we could retest from that and then what we don't use 45 days later we have to destroy
0: okay okay so you have it there. How long does it take to actually, okay, hey, I'm a cultivator. I need you to pick up this flower for us to uh, test. You take it. You test it. How long is the actual testing process from putting
1: it in the machine to having results? Well, it might surprise you, but that question is more pressing for cultivators than how much does it cost? Oh, because- if you'll think about it, let's let's do a little quick math here. A ten-pound batch of flour,
0: okay,
1: about forty-five hundred grams. Okay, I'm going to throw out a wild number and say that at retail, a gram's worth ten bucks. Okay, yeah, yeah, forty-five hundred times ten. Oh, oh yeah, honey. Now let's assume it's at wholesale and it's half of that. We're still talking about twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars, twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars worth of product. So. A cultivator rightly does not want that just sitting somewhere waiting for our results. So the real pressure we're going to face is how quickly can we give good, reliable, reproducible results? And in most states, it kind of settles in over time where the testers are responding within four or five or six days with results. But even then, they always know that their cultivators want it to be faster if possible.
0: Yeah, okay. they don't know
1: exactly how long it'll take us. In the early days, it'll probably be a little less because we'll have less business in the later days. It may take a little longer. And this is where capitalism works, right? Because if we go too slow. If we took some ludicrous number, like two weeks, plenty of other competitors would open up to fill that gap True. The the market works in capitalism. The money goes to meet unmet needs. So we'll always know that the expectation is that we give good, reliable, reproducible results as quickly as possible, hopefully a few days. Couple of things our Department of Health did differently from some states. One interesting thing is we get to test for the genetic material, the DNA of E. coli, Salmonella, Shigella, bad bacteria. But if we determine there's any E. coli DNA present, now we've gotta do what you've seen done on the science shows where we go in there and take a sample and put it on one of those round little culture plates and oh. grow it and grow it in the incubator for a couple of days and see how much E. coli is there, well, that takes two extra days. That's two extra days we cannot give a certificate of analysis, the document that we give that gives the green light for people to sell their product. So, we're going to face that challenge here in Mississippi that may not be faced in every state.
0: Hmm. Yeah. This. That's interesting. That is interesting. That's really- uh, it's,
1: pretty, it's pretty science geeky, Melvin.
0: Yeah, I, I see. I see. But, you know, I am glad it is very science geeky. I am glad we have people here like you all that test this stuff. So that would be, that would be a lot. So a lot of the, like, edibles, like gummies and everything, those would come straight from, like, the processors or, like, a vertically integrated uh
1: Yeah, yeah so the way we read the regs product only has to be tested once before the consumer can buy it. So let's say there's a a big vertically integrated group. And for your, your folks that are listening and viewing, make sure they know by vertically integrated, we mean a company that cultivates it or grows it and then processes it or makes product out of it. And then they own the dispensary where they sell it. Right. So for, for a vertical like that, they wouldn't necessarily have to test the flour. If they knew that they didn't have any heavy metals and any pesticides, they could just go ahead and process gummies and we could test the gummies once. But if a company doesn't cultivate, but they only process, they're going to probably want to buy flour that's already been tested. Yeah. And their their finished product's gonna have to be tested before some consumer, some patient can buy it. So the product could conceivably get tested twice. Okay,
0: okay. I see a lot of places doing that.
1: You know, know, we're back to that number. If a 10 pound batch is 20 or $25,000, we can see why people might want the assurance of having it tested before they made gummies out of it or vape cartridges or whatever it might be. Um, All uh, businesses have to minimize their risk, protect their customer and protect their investment too. So there's a, a lot of hard balance that goes into all that.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So, um, you really educated me on this. Um, I have to admit as far as like testing, I did not know as much as I needed to, you know, we've been, again, we've been so focused on cultivation, processing, yeah. this, That you know, just these different things like disposal, testing yes. is very, it's all very important and it's all a part of the industry that we're building here right now.
1: It is. It's all part of that ecosystem. Right. And, and just like plants and animals in an ecosystem, we're all dependent upon one another. All of us have to be healthy and functioning correctly for the industry to work and patients to get what they need. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and, to, and to that end, you know, um, there are lots of cultivators, there are lots of processors that will get licenses in Mississippi. We think there'll be a number of testing labs that we'll compete with. And I've met some of those people. I like them, you know, you, you can like people you compete with. That's very common in business. Um, I was on a panel Saturday before last with one of the uh, testing lab directors. I like him very much, good friend. Um, but, you know, we'll compete for business and we'll both do a good job and we'll both take care of our customers and we'll both help protect patients. But I asked uh, Chris Jones at the Department of Health sometime back how many testing labs, they thought there would be, and I won't quote her answer here in a public setting, but I think she and most people think they'll probably be single digit numbers, you know, um, whether that's three or eight or nine, I don't know. I mean, Mississippi's not a very populous state. We got 3 million people. We probably don't need 40 labs, though a lot of people will go out of business, but we sure don't need one. One doesn't work at all. We need competition, so I think we'll have several.
0: Oh, yeah. well. Is there anything you, before we get out, is there anything you want to let people know, uh, tell them about? Steve Hill, anything I didn't ask? Just, just go in.
1: Well, I mean, I think just like what we're doing today, we're trying to educate people to be more knowledgeable consumers of cannabis, more self-informed patients. And this type of information is good, but I think they're also going to find that some of the cultivators and dispensary operations are going to be able to provide a lot of information for them be able to help them make smart decisions. You know, cannabis use is one of the places where the patient has a lot of influence. You don't get to pick your antibiotic when you need an antibiotic. Your doctor or nurse practitioner picks it for you. true. true. And here people will be picking their cannabis product form and maybe what strains are in it. And so it really makes sense to get as much education as you can from as many people before you begin to use the product.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, Cliff, I wanna thank you for coming on. Thank you for taking the time out. I know y'all are extremely busy right now getting that lab together, but just thank you for taking the time out and thank you for everything y'all doing.
1: Thank you, Melvin. I appreciate it. Appreciate the work you guys are doing as well.
0: All right. Thank you. And this has been another episode of burning questions. You can watch us every Tuesday at 7 PM on Facebook and YouTube. Also the next day, each episode will be featured on DSPs. That is Google, Spotify, uh, Amazon, Android, all those kind of things there. Uh, again, thanks to uh, Cliff Osborne from uh, Steep Hill, Mississippi, for coming on. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Thanks, Melvin.